Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, You are an awesome God. You are our shield and our sword, as we sang this morning. You are our defense. We are foolish enough to think that we can defend ourselves, Lord, but that is being short-sighted in what you are doing in the future that you have provided us, Lord. Allow us this morning to turn as we open your Bible to understand that you are the defense of our faith. You are the giver of our faith and what you have done through Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. This is the last Sunday of our series going through the book of First Peter. We are there. We are at the end. We are on the one yard line about ready to punch it through to the goal line. And no, I'm not saying that because my Notre Dame Fighting Irish won yesterday. Securing a berth into the college football playoffs. I know some of you might say it's not guaranteed, but come on, they finished 12-0. So they'd be foolish not to let the powerhouse of Notre Dame, who makes a lot of money for college football, in. That's not where we're going this morning. We're finishing First Peter. I got that out of the way. It is all about the future. Our God deals in futures. Satan, our adversary, deals in the past. He's concerned with accusing you of what you did. God is concerned for what he planned to do, did do, and is going to do. Far much more than what Satan is capable of. The book of 1 Peter is all about the future. There was a young lady, and she was finishing up her math homework. Math wasn't necessarily a subject that she was strong in, so she was wise enough to ask her father, Dad, when I finish these problems, can you check them over for me? So she worked diligently, and she finally came to the completion of her math homework and handed her assignment to her dad and said, Dad, look these over. Her, her dad was happy to do so. He looked over her work and he checked it thoroughly and finally when he got to the end he said, Darling, you missed half the problems. She said, Daddy, it's okay. One day I'm going to be a meteorologist. <laughs> Speaking of children in the generation that we live in today, this current generation is doing some amazing things and is experiencing some amazing technology. A phrase that I hear in my house often from my children, from our children, Hope and I hear, look it up. See, my daughter will ask me questions like I have the answer. The other day we're at the airport and she sees a fire truck and she says, Dad, why are they there? And I'm sitting there thinking as, she asks, as she's asking the question, I just rolled up on the scene too. Like, I know. 
It's not because she thinks I'm smart. It's because she's used to asking a question and having me pull up the answer on my phone. <laughs> See, we can pull up things like Doppler radar, can't we? We can pull it up and see what the weather is going to do. Radar was first invented in 1935 by Sir Robert Watson Watt. It was originally used, it wasn't Doppler radar, but it was used for military purposes. Do you know how you, you the word I'm looking for here just fleeted my mind. Do you know how you avoid is the word I wanted, something I do a lot of. Do you know how you avoid radar? from a military standpoint? See, in order to avoid military radar, one must fly low and avoid it. If you fly low enough, you will avoid the radar. See, everyday life, we have our radar up, don't we? In everyday life, we have our radar up. We have our Doppler radar up to see where the storm is coming from. We're constantly scanning the atmosphere for the next storm. Some of us have certain pitfalls and triggers that we're learning to avoid. So we put up the radar and scan for inclement weather, don't we? Again, how does one avoid the radar? By flying low. Do you know who's flying low in your life? It's not the member of your family who you find difficult to deal with and it was just Thanksgiving so you probably maybe sat next to somebody in your family that you find a little difficult. It's not that person. They're not flying low. It's not the co-worker that you work with. Not your employer. Not the nagging neighbor. Not the driver whose cluelessness is on the streets of Southwest Florida and you realize why they're clueless because when you got behind them you realize they're from the state of Ohio with those tags. No offense, Pastor Steve. See, it's none of these people. Satan flies low and avoids the radar. He cannot read your mind, but he can read your poker face. He cannot predict your speech, but he understands the tone of your voice. He is on the prowl like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. He'll do it through surprise ambush. He'll do it by avoiding your radar. The title for our sermon this morning is this, Resisting Evil's Prowl. Resisting Evil's Prowl. Last week, Pastor Jared walked us through how we can bring God glory when we suffer as his children. We learn this by asking the question in the title of his sermon, Why do bad things happen to good people? Today we're going to hear Peter's final words in his first letter. We're going to learn how to defend against unforeseen attacks from our adversary. So let's get into this text this morning. The text will be on the screen for you as we're in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. So I exhort the elders among you, as fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you are younger. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, and God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever Amen. Those 11 verses, as we finish the book of 1 Peter, can be summed up in this one sentence. Our humble humility and God's almighty strength defend against the stealthiness of Satan. Our humble humility and God's almighty strength Defend against the stealthiness of Satan. So, the question this morning for us is this. How do we achieve the appropriate level of humbleness and humility? How do we achieve this appropriate level of humbleness and humility? We understand that we achieve it by trusting what God did through Jesus no matter what. We must trust what God did through Jesus no matter what. What you're seeing is a portion of some money, some British pounds post-World War II from World War II found recently. These British pounds were actually found, the pounds were found, Buried underneath a retail store. The pounds were found underground. Thank you, Pastor Jared. And you wonder why he's on board here at Villa's Grace. Look at these pounds. They're decayed. They're moth-eaten. They're destroyed. Do you think you can spend this money? This money, when it was found, was worth $2 million. $2 million in cash found, but you can't spend it. So the question you need to ask yourself, what are you going to do with your money? You going to bury it like this person did? Bury it and allow it to be unspendable? See, we're not in this for the money. We're in this to shepherd the flock. We're in this to prevent the evil one from avoiding our radar. And when I say we, I'm talking about the leadership specifically here at Villa's Grace. Our job is to help us 
as a group understand that the evil one is flying low, trying to avoid our radar. These first four verses again in verse 5. So I extort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock, those are the elders, the leaders of this church, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears to you, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So I exhort the elders among you, Peter writes. This is like saying, I'm advising you. Who is Peter advising? Local church leaders. We are a local church here at Villa's Grace. My question then is, what's Peter's qualifications for advising us? His qualifications are seen right here where he says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Are you personally experiencing sufferings in your life? Are you experiencing hardship? Are you experiencing personal conflict? If so, remember this. Jesus did Two, Peter was an eyewitness to the suffering Jesus experienced. So what does he mean when he says a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed? See, local church leaders will one day be rewarded by Jesus Christ. So personally, as you reflect, church, on your personal suffering, as you reflect on your personal hardship, pray. Understanding your own suffering, understanding your own hardship, pray for the local leadership of this church. See, the suffering and hardship that you're experiencing in your life is being shouldered by the leaders of this church. Please, we need your prayers. Please. Pray for us. Trust me. Our team is not in it for the money. What does verse 2 say? There's a few phrases in here. Shepherd the flock willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Church, our leadership here at Villa's Grace is all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. There's a pin in your pew with that mission statement on it. Grab one, take it home, give it away. Grab one, take it home, give it away, and live it in your life. We are all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Pray for us not to be, what does it say here, domineering over those in your charge. Pray that we seek humble humility and God's strength. Not our strength. Pray that we do not rely on our radar alone. We know our adversary can fly low and avoid it. 
Our adversary is gunning for us here at Villa's Grace Church because we are all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Because we're not in it for, what does it say, shameful gain. It's public knowledge at this church, and you will find out at the end of this month what your leaders make. And when you see what your leaders make, you'll understand very quickly we can't be in it for the money. Some of you just kind of snickered, but it's not really a joke. We're in this to build relationships that make followers of Jesus. And our adversary wants me to be telling you right now that we have it all figured out. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't. When you're in this for shameful gain, it's easy. It's easy to manipulate in order to get what you want. Do you know what's not easy? It's not easy trusting in what God did through Jesus no matter what. That's not easy. It's not easy to do what it says here, receive the unfading crown of glory. As the lead pastor of Villa's Grace Church, God has given me about two inches of Villa's visibility. I get two inches of visibility in a general direction in which we're supposed to head. And my job is to do nothing other than to communicate that direction to you. The visibility and direction of shameful gain is very clear. The visibility and direction of God's plan for Villa's grace isn't so clear. Why? It's because we're on a need-to-know basis. We're on a learning-to-trust-in-the-Lord basis. Do you know when we're actually in trouble? See, we're actually in trouble when we think that we have it covered. See, the chief shepherd, as it says right here in the text this morning, has yet to appear. How can we have things covered when we're still awaiting for him to appear and we don't know when he's going to appear? What did this song say this morning that we sang? He is our shield. He is our sword. When we think we have it covered, we think we are the shield of defense in the sword of defense. See, this is all about two inches of visibility in a general direction, which is why we're saying this this morning. Our humble humility and God's almighty strength defend against the stealthiness of Satan. It's for everybody. It's not just for you sitting in the pew listening to God's word being proclaimed. It's for everybody involved in this church. It's why we're asking this question. How do we achieve the appropriate level of humbleness and humility? We do so by trusting what God did through Jesus no matter what. What you're looking at is a small pile of dirt. You were made from a small pile of dirt. Therefore, on your best day, you are really nothing more than just a small pile of dirt. <laughs> See, sometimes we think too highly of ourselves, don't we? We think high, but forget that we're comprised of a small pile of dirt from the ground. Humility and humbleness is to know and accept what we are truly made of. 
Humility and humbleness is to admit that you don't have it covered. You don't have it figured out. However, humility and humbleness is to seek the one you know does. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Do you know what would put an end to racism throughout the world? If every human being actually lived out verse 5, racism would be done. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If every human being just remembered one simple truth, we're all just a small pile of dirt. Biblically speaking, grace is defined as a gift given. Ephesians 2.8.9, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. God has given us the gift of faith. Our faith is a gift given to us by God. Why? Because we are a small pile of dirt. He has also given us the gift to humble ourselves. We humble ourselves under what does it say here? The mighty hand of God. Under the same mighty hand that made us from the dirt. So why do we allow him to humble us? Why should we allow God to humble us? Because it says this. It says, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. See, this is why we're on a need-to-know basis. This is why it's two inches of visibility in a general direction. Our timing selfishly doesn't include Jesus. When we think we have it covered, we do it according to our time, and we forget all about Jesus. As small piles of dirt, we need to learn how to trust in what God has done through him. Trusting in Jesus is to be actively, as it says here, casting all your anxieties on him. So instead of asking God to remove the pain and suffering in your life, the difficulties in your life, instead of asking him to take those things away, maybe we should just ask him to teach us how to deal with them better. That's learning how to cast all your anxieties on the Lord, knowing that it's going to come, knowing that it may not be taken away, but praying and asking, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Give me a heart that's willing to learn, that's eager to want to know how to handle what I'm going through better. And those who think they have everything covered are not even thinking about dealing with their worries. See, the problem is for those that don't know Jesus, they don't want to come to know him because Jesus will make you face facts. The biggest fact most humans never accept is the fact that you're really just a small pile of dirt. Do you know what's beautiful about accepting that fact, though? Why I don't mind accepting that fact? What gives me great hope? The very end of verse 7, what does it say? 
It says, he cares for you. This is why I'm okay with accepting that fact. He cares. He suffered for our sin because he cares. He went to the cross because he cares. He is coming back because he cares. What is it that you're trying to avoid? What is it that you are dealing with on your own terms? What is it that you are handling on your own timing? If you are sitting there right now, contemplating some of the things that you are trying to avoid in your life, contemplating some of the things that you're trying to deal with on your own time, because you know who you are, you're thinking to yourself right now, yeah, there's some things I'm avoiding. There's some things I'm trying to deal with on my own time. And if you don't think that there's anything in your life right now that you're trying to avoid or deal with on your own time, you know what the problem is? You just allowed Satan to fly low below your radar. He snuck right in. He's infiltrated the place in your life that belongs to Jesus. Carrying around the guilt of former sins is really just prideful behavior. He wants you to avoid. He wants you to do things on your own timing because he wants you to remain in a proud state of mind that says, I don't need Jesus. But casting our anxieties upon Jesus is saying, I need him. I don't have it covered. He's got it covered. You are just a small pile of dirt. But the beautiful thing is, he cares. There is nothing that he cannot handle. And this is why he is coming back for it all. That's why we're saying this this morning. Our humble humility and God's almighty strength defend against the stealthiness of Satan. It's why we're asking this question. How do we achieve the appropriate level of humbleness and humility? We achieve it by trusting what God did through Jesus no matter what. No matter what. No matter what you're currently going through. No matter what you've been through. No matter what sin you've committed. No matter what. We're trusting in what God did through Jesus, because God did what he did through Jesus because of the what. Stealth technology is all about making things invisible. It's about making things that are really there appear as if they're not. A lion prowls upon his prey in a stealth-like manner. The prey of a lion believes danger is not present when it actually really is. See, we, we must remind ourselves that evil is flying low. So what does that tell us? It tells us that our radar is unreliable. Fortunately for us, God's radar isn't. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is something that is rarely talked about which happens after you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Something that really doesn't get mentioned, but is true. See, after we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we need to be even more alert than what we were before. It's important that our faculties are not impaired. It's important that we what remain, what does it say? Watchful. Your adversary, the devil, Peter writes, prowls around like a roaring lion. To prowl is to be stealthy. This is why we need to constantly remind ourselves that Satan is flying low, avoiding our own personal radar. The word devil in the original language in which this was written means slanderer. We need to be careful not to slander others as the devil slanders. Be watchful as he accuses God to men. As he accuses men to God. Why don't we need to slander? Why should we abstain from slandering one another? Because Satan accuses men to men. He uses men to accuse other men. Church, we must remember that he does not want us to be unified in Jesus Christ. That's the message that we go forward with. That's the message that we take to people as we're all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. How do we do what verse 9 says then and resist him? We're being told to resist our adversary. How do we do so? See, this has everything to do with how we approach our suffering, hardships, and conflict. Ask yourself, am I seeking to eliminate suffering, hardships, and conflict in my life? Or am I seeking to handle them through Jesus? If we're seeking to eliminate problems in our life, really, we're just trying to avoid them. What we need to do is deal with all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our sin, but do so through Jesus. How do we handle suffering, hardships, and conflict through Jesus? That would be my next question. We do so through prayer. We can do so through obedience to his word. We can do so, and this is the hard one. We can do so by allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. He will never stop convicting of us of our sin as we walk on this earth, as we know sin as it is right now. As we grow, we will still be reminded of our sinfulness. There is sin that I am too immature currently to actually be convicted of. The Lord knows that. Hopefully, as I grow, he will convict me of that sin as I mature in Jesus. That's our goal. That's the way we want to approach all of our conflict, all of our suffering, all of our pain, all of our problems, everything that we don't like. Instead of avoiding, we need to deal with that 
through Jesus. Allow him to do his work through us so we can continually repent. That's what it's about. It's about being poised and ready to continually repent. And to repent means to turn away from your sin and turn back towards God. Why? Because we don't have it covered. Because we don't have it all figured out. But we know the one who does. We're getting to know the one that does better. I'm going to ask Mike to come on up and play. If we're always ready to repent, then it does not matter what the devil accuses us of to who. We are just a pile of dirt. We do have a Savior who cares. So really, there's only one place to go when you're starting from the ground. And that is up. So I just want to take a moment. So I want to take a moment. I want you to reflect. Just bow your, your heads, close your eyes, and just reflect on what it is that, that you are trying to avoid. Reflect on what it is that you're trying to tackle and take on according to your own timing. What it is that you're not allowing the Spirit to convict you of. There's only one place to go. From where we started, that one place to go is up. His word tells us here this morning that he is going to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Therefore, we cannot be proud and pretend that we got this. How we handle difficulty may just be the best opportunities that we have to share our faith with others. Remember, God used the troubles cast on Jesus to reveal his truth of salvation to the rest of the world. Which is completely why I'm comfortable saying our humble humility and God's almighty strength defend against the stealthiness of Satan. That's why I'm okay asking the question and having this be the answer. How do we achieve the appropriate level of humbleness and humility? We achieve it by trusting what God did through Jesus no matter what no matter what, no matter what it is that we're going through no matter what it is that we went through no matter what it is that we are going to go through, it's learning to trust in what God did through Jesus no matter what always ready always ready to turn from our sin and turn back to him as he convicts us, Heavenly Father Amazingly, your plan goes on despite our sinfulness, despite what's happening in this world, because we know it's all about the future and what you are doing. I pray that we can be a church that shares this gospel message, this good news with our community. I pray that you use us. I pray that you continue to open hearts, open doors for the opportunities to share what Jesus did on the cross for us. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.